Hi, I'm Dr. Akiva Down. And I'm Rabbi Avi Green. And welcome to Interesting Questions. In this podcast, we'll be addressing issues that are philosophical, religious, and psychological in nature, and exploring some of the deeper questions as we go into Season 2. We will be focusing on that which is considered to be controversial, and there may not be a right or wrong answer. So we are hoping that our discussions will yield more questions for your Shabbos table. Shavua Tov, and welcome back to Interesting Questions. We are on the third parak, Mishnah 20 of Pirkei Avot. Hu Hayaomer, he used to say, Hakol natun be'iravon umetsuda prusa al Everything is given as collateral, and a net is spread over all living things. Hechanut p'tucha, the store is open, vani makif, and the merchant provides credit, Pinkas patuach, and the ledger is open, v'hayad kotevet, and the hand records, v'chol harotze lilvot, yavo v'yilveh, and anyone who wishes to borrow may come and borrow. V'hagabayim machzirim tadir b'chol yom, and the collectors go around and make their rounds every day, v'nifra'in min ha'adam, and they collect payment from each person. Mida'ato v'shalom mida'ato, with his knowledge or without his knowledge. V'yesh lahem alma she'ismochu, and they have on what to rely. V'hadin, din emet, and the judgment is the judgment of truth. V'hakol mitukan l'se'uda, and everything is prepared for the final festival banquet. So Akiva, this Mishnah seems to be full of metaphor because otherwise I would have no idea what it's talking about. (laughs) So if we go back to the beginning, right, it talks about that everything is given as collateral and a net is spread over all that is living. To me, this strikes me as the idea of trying to comprehend that everything is from Hashem. Everything is a gift, but that we are only borrowing it. It is not necessarily ours to use. Rather, we have to give it back when we're through with it. Do you see more in that first piece? Um, I mean, not, not much. I, I have to say, I tend to agree with what you're saying, that the idea is that, you know, and, and maybe if we, if we start to incorporate some more of it, perhaps some of this idea, especially later on and towards the end where it talks about um, preparing for the final banquet, perhaps some of the hope is that with these collectors and with these pieces, ultimately what we're given and what we have to be able to take, perhaps we can fashion it and make it a little bit better than we received it. 
And with that in mind, hopefully it becomes a festive banquet and not uh, a famine. And I think the other piece that strikes me that's important to to think about is um, that they come and they collect um, with his knowledge or without his knowledge. That whether we agree to it or do not agree to it, right? There is a price to be paid and we have to pay it. And I think there's a lot of insight into life that way that we may want x y or z to happen we may want x y or z in our lives but at the end of the day there is a price that is paid and it it can happen that way or it can't happen that way but it isn't always up to us to choose you know avi when i was in medical school they they had shifted from prior where the idea was, well, you can get all sorts of free stuff from the pharmaceutical companies. And when I was in medical school, they had an organization that was called No Free Lunches. And basically the idea was is that you were making a commitment to realize that nothing is free. And so if you go to a lunch that the pharmaceutical company provided you, then the idea that you weren't in some way being bought was hard to swallow. And I think this this really talks about the same thing, no free lunches. There is everything that we take, everything that we use, yeah, you have to pay for. And the decisions we make today will affect the the outcomes of tomorrow and whether we intend it or not, whether we want or not, and whether we realize or not, yeah, it's uh, it's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna I'm I'm going to say that even though this was very metaphorical uh it seems to be also rather straightforward in in many ways and Avi if it's okay with you I think let's go ahead and do uh Aleph. one of the more famous Mishnayot Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah Omer Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah said imein Torah in derech eretz if there is no Torah there is no derech eretz and we've talked about how derech eretz can refer to either a worldly occupation or appropriate behavior. And im ein derech eretz ein Torah. If there's no derech eretz, there's no Torah. Im ein chachma ein yira. If there is no wisdom, there is no fear of God. Im ein yira ein chachma. And if there's no fear of God, there is no wisdom. Im ein daat ein bina. If there is no knowledge, there is no understanding. Im ein bina ein daat. And if there's no understanding. There is no knowledge. Im ein kemach ein Torah. If there is no flower, there is no Torah. Im ein Torah ein kemach. And if there's no Torah, there is no flower. And so, here again, somewhat metaphorical, but the idea that there are these pairs that go together, the idea of Torah together with appropriate behavior or a worldly occupation, the idea of wisdom coming with fear of God, the idea that knowledge comes together with understanding 
And, and I think here understanding is talking about a insight rather than just, uh, you know, common, common uh, uh, facts. And finally, that there's only, there's only sustenance if there is Torah, and there's only Torah if there is sustenance. And so I think it's important to find those connections here. Did you want to add in on that, Akiva? Or shall we move forward? Again, I, I'm going to say that I, I think this is another, uh, another Mishnah that there, there's a lot being said, and at the same time, there may be a little to leave to additional interpretation or discussion. Um, that is to say, not that it's not important, just that I don't know if I have much that I could possibly add or, or extrapolate beyond what was already shared. So let's move on to Mishnah Chafbet. Hu Hayaomer, he, meaning Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, would say, Anyone whose wisdom exceeds his good deeds, to what is he compared? One whose branches are many and whose roots are few. And the wind comes and it uproots it and turns it over onto its head. Shnemar, that it says in the Torah, that he shall be like a lone tree in the desert and shall not see when good things come, and he shall dwell in dry soil in the wilderness on a land that is full of salt, and not inhabited. Aval, however, anyone whose good deeds exceed their wisdom, to what is he compared? To a tree whose branches are few, but whose roots are many. That even if all the winds of the world were to come and blow against it, it could not move it from its place. That it says, and it shall be like a tree that is planted near water and alongside a stream spreads its roots and it does not notice when the heat arrives and its foliage is always fresh and in a year of drought it is not stressed nor does it cease from providing fruit. So again, a beautiful metaphor here about the idea of or the importance of ma'asim tovim, positive actions um, in comparison to content knowledge and that the idea of 
being someone who does those positive actions, those mitzvot, um, those those mitzvot bein adam lechaveiro, they they provide deep roots, and that they are even more important than intelligence or content knowledge. I have to say, Avi, I, I'm kind of looking at these past couple of Mish- Mishnayot, and um, I think part of the reason why we haven't necessarily had a lot to say about these is because we already talked about a lot of them, and I guess part of my question would be is what more are these adding? Because we've already talked about all of these. We've already had wonderful and great Rebbeim before making very important statements about the importance of balancing good deeds and knowledge and how to treat others and how to not just focus on one aspect and to understand that there's a lot of uh, interplay between the way we act and the way we learn and the way we behave and what we value. And and I think what troubles me, I suppose, about these particular uh, last couple of Mishnayot are it wasn't so long ago that in the beginning of uh, Perak Gimel, we were hearing and talking about different Rebbeim from presumably earlier who we're saying the same things. What are we missing? So I'm not sure we're missing anything. Uh, I think that there are two components that may be at play here. One is the idea of a good curriculum spirals back over itself to make sure that the lesson is really learned. You don't just say it once and think you're done, but rather there's the idea that you return to important themes throughout as you're learning. Um, And the second is that sometimes the Torah, Mishnah, they'll use an envelope type of methodology where they'll say the same thing at the end that they said at the beginning. And part of the reason they do that is it provides a structure, right? An A, B, B, A type of structure or an A, B, C, B, A type of structure that provides for what um, they want you to know and helps you make connections that might not have existed before. I'm just not sure we're seeing those connections. Yeah, I I have to say, in in a world where we know that a single hay can have uh, such important value in understanding what was written in the Torah... I guess the poetic version of the same thing that was said earlier on perhaps is lost. Um, And maybe that's because we already got the point. I I would also add that I don't know if I fully agree with this last analogy because a tree with few branches doesn't necessarily produce great fruit. And while I do agree that having... Masim Tovim is of the utmost importance. I do think that if you have 
good intentions and good actions without understanding what it is you're doing and perhaps thinking you're doing something that's a good deed. And that's the question. Is this thinking you're doing something is a good deed? And are you really? Because if you don't have the knowledge base to understand what you're doing, can it really create delicious fruit? So I'm going to suggest that it perhaps it can. Um, and my, my argument for this is we often encourage children to do things that are good in the hopes that it models for them what is good and appropriate and socially uh, acceptable behavior, even if they may not understand the reason why, with the hope that it sets a pattern of behavior and understanding that will eventually lead itself to understanding why. And so do the ma'asim tovim, and it may lead you to chokhmah, if you just have the chokhmah, but you're not doing the ma'asim tovim, then there's definitely some sort of disconnect. If you know what you should be doing, but you're not doing it, well, then the question is, why not? If you're doing things, but you don't necessarily know why, then you may eventually come to ask why and learn. But hopefully you'll continue to do those good things. Well, Avi, I think you just showcased why the earlier Mishnahot spoke to us a lot higher, because... That was definitely what we read in the earlier Mishnayot and not what this particular analogy was that was being made. I agree with you. I, I just think that perhaps if the analogy suggested that a tree with strong roots will eventually grow healthy branches and create delicious fruit, that may have been a little bit more... I think, I think you're reading too much into the analogy. I am, I am, but trying to see the difference between what this provides us. Let's finish up the parak with the last Mishnah, Mishnah Chav Gimel. Rabbi Elazar ben Chisma Omer. Rabbi Elazar ben Chisma would say, Kinin ufitche nida hein hein gufe halachot. The laws of bringing a bird as an offering and the... Uh, openings connected to having a menstrual cycle. These are the essentials of halacha. Tkufot v'gamatriot parparaot lechokma. Astronomy and mathematics, these are the desserts of wisdom. So, so Avi, I'd like you to envelope that for us. So I, I'm not sure this envelopes us, but I will suggest, I'm, I'm actually going to disagree with Art Scroll here a little bit in terms of their, uh, I read the, the translation of Tekufot v'gamatriot. Um, Tekufot is astronomy, but also a little bit of astrology. And uh, gamatriot is not pure mathematics, but rather the idea of certain words and mathematical equivalencies leading to other, uh, uh, other mathematical equivalencies. And so I think what Rabbi Elazar ben Chisma is saying here is these things which may on their surface seem uh, almost disgusting, 
right? The idea of how do you slaughter a bird and bring it as a carbon. The idea of women's menstrual cycles. You say, oh, I, I don't need to study that. Why would I need to study that, right? No, those are critical components. In the time of the Beit HaMikdash, they would bring bird offerings every single day. Um, if you are a rabbi in a sizable congregation, you may be dealing with questions of nida every single day. Whereas on the other hand, right, this idea of astronomy, astrology, this idea of what is the gamatria of this and how does it play out with the equivalent of that, right, is sort of a, um, a, a, a esoteric. A, a, not just esoteric, but it's it, it it it's almost like dessert for the brain, right? You're you're playing mind games with numbers and and, but it isn't a a practical halachic uh, important component that you can use on a daily basis, and so. You know, people who, who sit there and like to talk about the gematria of this is equal to the gematria of that, and therefore we learn this and we learn that. That's a nice piece of dessert, but it doesn't have the same weight as talking about something that is a halachic daily necessity or daily component. And maybe that's where it ties back into what we've just been finishing, this idea of um, don't, don't, don't eat your dessert first and then ruin your meal, but rather dig into your meal first, really enjoy it, and then there's always room for dessert. And so with that, we're going to finish up our third parak of Pirkei Avot and head towards the end of this season. We will be continuing with Pirkei Avot as we move into our third year of podcasting. And... Uh, we'll hopefully be continuing with our ongoing conversations in regard to some of the other topics that we've been uh, addressing as well. More is yet to come. And your question for Around the Shabbos Table, and maybe something you'll email to us, is what topic would you like us to address? Wishing you Shana Tova and a wonderful year. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach us, you can reach us at iqdiscuss at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and responding.